So Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and we'll read through to verse 36. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, where he dismissed the crowd. After they dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking in the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked in the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognised Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. So I just read the word of God, and it's good to listen to what God says, because God speaks through his word, and it's important that we understand what God is actually saying. There are some parts of the world where when God's word is read, they would stand up out of reverence for the word of God. And I think sometimes we take our Bible for granted because it's written in our language, and it's so accessible that sometimes we just don't take into consideration that God is actually speaking as we read his word together. You don't mind if I take my jack off because it's really warm up here. I'll melt it on, so apologies. I hopefully no one takes offense me preaching without my jacket on. Um, it's good to be here, and, and it's good just to turn to God's word and, and listen to what he has to say to us. And that's an important piece to remember as we think through what has happened in this story that we read together um, this afternoon, or this morning actually, uh, where the Lord Jesus is involved, and as a result of his intervention, a change is made, a difference is made, as a result of someone crying to him. And I want to focus on that quite a bit this morning. I spoke, of, I spoke there about the listening to the, the word of God, and hearing what God has to say. Right in the very beginning of the story, we're told a lot of information. We're told that he was preaching. We're told that he had sent the crowd away. And then it went into nighttime, and he went away to pray. And the disciples, meanwhile, had gone on in the boat to cross the lake. 
But then you start to understand, well, actually, it mentions a phrase, which you might not pick up on that name, but it talks about them at the fourth watch of the night. What that means is basically they had been rowing and trying to get across the lake the whole night. The fourth watch of the night is just about when it starts to get light again. <coughs> and so these men who, and some of them were hard and fishermen, these men were in a boat and they were crossing the lake. They left when it was daylight and they'd been rowing all night and they got to the stage where they just wanted to get anywhere. I think one of the other Gospels talks about them being a few miles. Uh, one talks about them being overwhelmed by the storm. And in that situation, they are getting to the stage where they are just almost spent. They've got nothing left. They're done. And yet, they're not able to beat the storm. They're not able to do anything about their situation where they are at that particular time. And it's at that moment the Lord Jesus does something miraculous. And he walks in the water and he calls out to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And as we come to God's word and as we think of the lives that we live, um, we are in a very similar situation to those disciples in, in that boat. If we're trying to live our life as we all try to do, um, there's a danger we try to live without God. And these disciples had tried to do all they could themselves. They were absolutely trying to get to the other side, but just could not because of the storm that was there. And what happened was the Lord Jesus came alongside them. And, and we'll see later on in the story as a result of him getting in the boat and the storm was quelled and it was calm as a result of that. But very, right at the very beginning, as they are in that danger, as they are facing that danger in front of them, God speaks to them. The Lord Jesus says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And I don't know whether you've thought about this before, but when you turn to the word of God, God is speaking to you. That's one of the important aspects of these meetings. Not so much what the preacher says, but that God's word is read. That God's word is heard. And through the preaching of God's word, faith can be obtained. And as a result of that, a trusting in the Lord Jesus. We'll think about that in a second. But it's right to recognise the importance that God continues to speak. And he does so in 2021. He's given us his Bible. He's given us the word of God. It's a letter to us, if you think about it, to allow us to realise who God is and what he's done and the importance of listening to what he has to say. We live in a world today where truth, we're told, is relative. And it's all about what you think and what you experience and as long as you're comfortable in your own skin and you're okay with that, that's fine. But actually, when you turn to God's word, truth is absolute. It's found in God. It's found in the Lord Jesus. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Let's say I tell the truth. He does that anyway. But he is truth. It's part of his character. And as we seek to live the lives that we live, it's important to understand what God is saying to us. 
and that we listen to what he has to say. I used to have a music teacher. Uh, I, I'm really bad at music, so that's why I, I did appreciate the playing. But um, Mr. Campbell was his name. And he used to have a phrase, which I, and I would get him in primary in second year, so I'd be, what, 13 or something. He always used to say, a lot of people hear music, but not a lot of people listen to what it has to say. And that's applicable to the gospel as well. Um, we are very fortunate to live in a world where we're able to preach the word of God, and a lots of folk hear God's word, they see it written in places, and we give God thanks that that's the case in our country. But not a lot of people listen to what he has to say. And it's important as we turn to the word of God, we are very like those disciples in our lives if we're trying to live our life without God. If we've never come to a realisation that we need the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour and our Lord, and we just come along to places and we enjoy the social aspects, we've never committed to Him. We are in danger. Eternal danger. And I think, you know, most people don't try to think about the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years away. But this message that we have this afternoon, this message that we listen to what God is saying to us, is not just for the life that we live now, but it's for the whole of eternity. And it's important that we listen to what he has to say. And as they are in this boat, and as they are facing danger, and as they're in a situation where they cannot do anything for themselves, it would be vital that they listen to what Jesus had to say. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And I know some of you, um, as I look out at the faces, I know you all, I certainly don't know what's going on in your life. And you may be facing real problems, whatever those problems are, struggling to deal with it. Or whether you're not even aware of your sin, you know, every one of us are marked by sin before God. We're broken. <coughs> we can't do anything about that condition. Well, like those disciples, we are at sea and we need help. But it would be really important that we actually listen to what he has to say to us. And we take action as a result of that. How silly would the disciples have been if they had seen the Lord Jesus and decided actually it was a ghost or ignored them or tried to do their own thing? They may have lost their life. And you might be thinking, well, it's hard to align what happened to them to the life that I live today. Well, it's exactly the same. If we are ignoring God and not listening to what God is saying to us, if we're ignoring God's word, <coughs> that's the only way we can reach God. That's the only way we can have our sin dealt with. Now, all sin is, or I say all, sin is disobeying God. It's falling short of that standard that's realising that we are broken and can't do anything about our spiritual condition. And so it would be important as we turn to God's word today, to listen to what he has to say. To think about what God's word is saying to us. One of the key themes of the Bible is to believe God. It, it stretches back to when we were created, right back in the garden, all the way through. 
And those who believe God, those who put their faith in him, those who trusted in him, were able to do right by God and live a life that God accepted. Not because of anything they had done, we'll think about that later on. Not because there was anything particularly or anything that merited God's righteousness, it doesn't. But just to take him at his word and believe what he's actually said, what we have is God speaking to us. And in the very difficult circumstances, whatever you're going through, whatever you are trying to get through life with, in those circumstances, God is speaking. And he's not just speaking to everyone in the room, he's speaking to you individually. It's a message for you and for me. And it would be vital that we actually listen to what he has to say to us and we think about what God is saying. And we consider it in relation to the lives that we live. That would be important. The other thing is just to, to believe what he's saying, as I said earlier on. Um, the Lord Jesus, when he saw Peter, and Peter said, ask me to come into the boat, the Lord asked me to come into the water, the Lord Jesus said, come. He gave him an invitation. He was asking him to believe in what he was doing. Exercise faith. I think that's why later on he says, oh ye of little faith. He initially believed, but then he started to doubt. The Lord Jesus has come all the way to this earth, and we thought of this this morning, he, he came and became a real man. He was still God, but he became a real man. And he lived a perfect life here. And despite all of that, we took him and we put him on a cross, and he willingly went there in order that we could have a relationship with him, and in order that we could believe him and as a result of that belief, God would accept it. And Peter was in that situation where he wanted to be with the Lord Jesus. And he realized it was Jesus. And he said, can I come? Can I walk in the water? And the Lord Jesus gave him the invitation. He said, come. And Peter did that. He got out of the boat. He believed that he would be okay. And that's really the ask of God to every one of us. That we would believe God. That we realize that his word is truth uh, and that the only way of salvation, the only way we can access God and be accepted by him is to believe him. There's no other way. The Bible says that. The Lord Jesus says things which in our society today would be unpopular. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, comes to God, except through me. Now that's an unpopular message. We live in a very multicultural society, particularly in the West, in the UK. Uh, and there's all sorts of different religions we come across. But actually what the Bible is saying, what the Lord Jesus is saying is, there's only one way. And it's important that you understand that. We've got a friend um, who's Muslim. And uh, he used to come about our fellowship, not so much just now, but he did in the past. Covid's probably hit that in the head a wee bit. 
Um, but he would have the view that we have the same God but there's different paths to get there. That's wrong. And he, he gets quite upset that I would think that. But that's what scripture is saying. I don't recognise the God he would describe. I don't recognise the God that he trusts. Because the Bible describes a different God, a different his characteristics are different. And he says there is only one way. There's no name given under, given under heaven whereby we should be saved, other than the Lord Jesus. And so it's not important, it's important not just that we listen to what God is saying, but we actually exercise faith and believe in what God is saying. The most important message that you'll ever hear is the message of the gospel. In comparison to anything, anything else that this world has to offer or tell us or philosophy or whatever it's telling us, in relation to the gospel, it's a pale reflection. Because the gospel relates to eternity. It relates to our condition before the very creator God. And he's allowing each of us to have that relationship with him if we believe him. And it's important that we understand that is the message. And we don't think church is about association or it's a social club or it's good to be in the company of folk who call them Christians. And these are all good things, by the way. It's, it's good to come to a place like this. But it would be really vital to understand the need to listen to what God is saying to and believe what God is saying. But it goes further than that. And really we see the next situation where um, the next situation where Peter has believed God, he, he, he gets out of the boat, he starts to walk in the water, and then he gets distracted. He, he starts to see the waves and he starts to feel the wind, no doubt. And uh, if you've ever been in a choppy sea, um, it must have been quite a thing. I've been in the Sea of Galilee, but it was flat hard. It was beautiful. Um, I wouldn't like to stood in the water at any time, whether it was flat cam or not, I've got to say. But he was in it when it was absolutely all over the place. And clearly he started to realise, well, wait a minute, I, I'm, if you part the point, I'm way of a depth here. And he started to sink. And then he basically said that cry, Lord, save me. I don't think he said it, he probably shouted it at the absolute top of his voice, bursting his lungs to get the words out before he sank. What happened? Peter realised there was no one else. That there was nothing else. And the only thing he could do was call in. And the only person who could do anything about his situation was the Lord Jesus. And you and I are in exactly the same situation. Sometimes it's easy to try and live your life a little bit like where, you know, during the week I have what I want to do and then Sunday I go and I do the God thing. Um, it's easy to try and come along to church and look the part. But actually, if you analyse the life that I live, do I actually live my life trusting God 
for everything. Realizing that as far as God is concerned, there's nothing in me that's of any benefit. There's no value in the life that I live. I deserve God's judgment. I am a sinner. I've broken God's laws. And don't be like the rich man that comes and he says, I've done all these things in my youth up. Sin is much more pervasive than what we think we do. It's about our thought life, it's about our motives, it's about the very things we do in life. All of that points to the fact that I cannot live my life without God. And I certainly can't go through eternity without God. And it's only in the situation where Peter is, where he gets to the stage where unless he calls, he's going to die. And he calls out, Lord, save me. And there is a point in a person's life, for every one of us, where we really get to the stage where we realise that actually, there is nothing of value in what I have of God. <coughs> I, I'm just broken and I'm a sinner. And despite that fact, God has given his everything. The Lord Jesus um, came all the way from the glory and the splendor of heaven and he lived a perfect life and he went all the way to Calvary for each one of us. And he willingly gave his life as a sacrifice to deal with the sin that was keeping me back from God. He was on the cross not because he failed, not because it was a coronary term that he didn't expect. It was a journey that was planned before the creation of the world, and that plan is still running. And it will come to its fruition when he comes back from the church, and he will deal with this world in judgment. Now, I don't know whether you've heard that story before, but that's what the Bible is telling us. God is working to a plan. And because of the kind of society we live in, because of the stuff that we hear and the teachings we have and all the stuff we, we, we pick up, we start to think that we are really, really important. But in relation to the eternity, in relation to the whole of creation, we are just specks of dust. But amazingly, God is interested in us. God loves us. We'll think about this later on tonight. There's a Another wee expression in Titus, which is similar to Ephesians 2, but God. And the only thing that makes life worthwhile is but God. The only thing that brings sense to the lives that we live is God intervening and taking us and making us whole before him. Peter could do nothing about this situation. He thought that he had something to do with the fact he was walking in the water. And there's nothing in Peter. The, the, the thing, the person that was keeping him safe was the person right in front of him, the Lord Jesus. And it's only when he started to be distracted by what was going on, I know that he heard what was happening, and to be fair, I, I, I think Peter actually gets a bad deal as far as Christians are concerned. Um, I recognise Peter and me all the time. Um, but he started to see all sorts of stuff around about him. 
And he started to panic and he realised, I'm in danger. And the, the ask of the gospel is that men and women start to see yourself in exactly where Peter is. The most important thing in your life that you'll ever come across is this message. The most important person in the whole of the universe, of the cosmos, is the Lord Jesus. And as he walked on the water, he was demonstrating, we'll think of this in a second, he was completely different. He's not like you and I. We thought about this this morning for those who were here. He was sinless. He, he was holy. He was, he was righteous. And in everything that he did, and everything that he said, and everybody he came across, God saw that it was good. He was absolutely accepting of all the Lord Jesus did because he was God. And the, the mystery of the fact that at the same time he was man, that's difficult. That's a, that's a concept which Christians even still today find difficult to understand. I don't understand it. But I do dump the word of God and it's there. He's perfect man and he's perfect God. And he had to be, he had to be perfect man in order for God to accept the sacrifice that was given. Everything else, you go back all through the thousands of years and all the animals that were sacrificed, they never took away the sin. There was a day um, in the Old Testament, every year, the Day of Atonement, and what they basically did was sacrifice animals to atone, that wasn't that word, atone for the sin of the whole of the nation. But we read from Hebrews later on, at the end of the night, as the high priest who had been in the very presence of God, as he turned and put his head in the pillow, his guilt was still there. Didn't deal with the guilt. That sin needed to be forgiven once and for all, and it would be when the Lord Jesus died on the cross. Your sin and my sin, when we start to realise we can absolutely do nothing about it. It's by grace we're saved, through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift that God has given us. When we realise that, and realise there's nothing else I can do, it's at that point we should be crying, Lord, save me. Help me. And that's what every individual gets to. They get to the stage in their life, if they become a Christian, they realise that they are morally bankrupt. There is nothing in their bank account that would allow them to be able to say anything or pay anything or do anything that would accept that, would, that God would accept. We are marked by sin. We are guilty. We are stained. We have broken his law. And what we deserve is his eternal judgment. And my prayer, my one prayer this morning or this afternoon is that people start to realise that, that they don't think there's anything else because there's nothing. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And if you're here today and you're in real difficulty and you're struggling and you're searching for an answer, you're just like Peter as he starts to sing. 
But the realisation that the person in front of you, the person that we speak of today, the, the Lord Jesus, he is the answer. Realising that and starting to just get before him and call to him to save you, and he absolutely will. That's his promise. The promise is to seek him while he can be found. Call on him while he's near. There is coming a day where the call will fall on deaf ears. And that's a terrible day. There is coming a day when he won't save us. Because God has made this provision to each one of us and we have access to that right now. One of the tragedies of the world in which we live, and it actually isn't that different from 2,000 years ago when he was here, is that we come to this person called Jesus or we are totally underestimated and we look to what we think we need rather than what God is coming to us for. Right at the end of the section we read, we're told about the folk who he comes to the, the, the shore, the, the place is absolutely calm, get to the shore, and what do they do? They bring the sick to him, they bring those who are ill, because they've heard that he does miraculous things. And all they're focusing in on is what they think the need is as far as their society is concerned. And they bring the folk who are ill and sick, and the Lord Jesus heals them. But they're absolutely missing the message. And actually, when you read through the Gospels, and there's lots of folk who are healed, but when you start to get underneath a little bit, what the Lord Jesus is more interested in is their spiritual condition. He's more interested in how they are before him, and do they trust in him? Are they aware of their spiritual condition? He's more interested in their faith in him, rather than those who've got a physical problem. Look at the ten lepers. How many came back and said, listen, thank you. Only one. Look at the woman who had problems for years and years. She had spent everything she had and she came to the Lord Jesus. And she responded. It would have been the easiest thing in the world for her, I think, just to kind of slip through the crowd and ignore them. But he said, who touched me? And she realised it was me. I need to speak to this man. And so it's important when we come to the gospel, it's important when we come to the Lord Jesus and listen to what he has to say to us, that we get a true picture of who he is. And a true picture of what we need. Are we trusting in him? That's a challenge to Christians as well, by the way. Really easy to come to the Lord Jesus in salvation, and then start to live your life as though you've got the gospel plus, or all the things you think are important plus what you think you need from him. Really easy to be like that. What did the Lord Jesus say to us? He said we need to take up our cross daily, deny self, and follow him. And for those of us who are believers, the challenge is, are we following him? I've read this in an article, so if you read the Believers, you'll read it in a few weeks' time, a few months' time. Um, I used to have a colleague 
who um, her husband was a great rugby fan. And um, it was the first ever Rugby World Cup. It was New Zealand. And it was the days you didn't have mobile phones and anything. So when you went to New Zealand, you just lost them for a month until they came back again. Uh, particularly men who were interested in rugby rather than letting their wives know they were gay. And Trisha was quite beside herself because she only had her husband for two or three weeks. And um, one night in the Scottish News, and there was a broadcast about what was happening in Scotland and New Zealand, and they interviewed these three guys who were Scottish in Auckland. And one of them was her husband. And he was standing, all three of them were standing, and they had shaved their heads, they no hair, they dyed their heads with the salt tire on the top of their head. Um, and they were all wearing um, Scotland rugby shirts and kilts and Scotland scarves. And she realised that he's actually okay, although he looks pretty silly, but he's, he's okay. And um, they were followers of Scotland. And when they were in Auckland, in New Zealand, as those three guys with the shaved heads and salt tires and the scarves and all that sort of stuff and the kilts, as they walked along in New Zealand, they were clearly followers of the logic of, of, of Scotland. There was no doubt, you know. And that should be the same for us as followers of the logic. And we'll think about this later on tonight, actually. What does our life look like? Are we trusting in him? Are we like Peter realising that there's no other way we can live a life without giving him everything? And that's a challenge for Christians as well, by the way. Not just those who are searching for them. And I pray that you are. I pray that you're not like the folk at Gennesaret who were interested to bring out their, what they thought the answer to the problem was. They, they brought the sick. And he healed the sick, of course. But the, the tragedy in that story is missing who Jesus is. And this world tragically does that every day. The only time outside of Christian circles that I hear the name of the Lord Jesus is when folk are just cursing and swearing. They have no concept of the one who went all the way to Calvary for them and died on a cross for them and loved them eternally. No concept of that whatsoever. And in our society today kind of thinks he was a good man. Um, people will respect his teacher. But they'll not listen to it, but they'll respect it. They will have a, an academic discussion, but they, they miss the importance of the logic. <coughs> and that's the story of this world. I was reading this morning about the, the white gate. There's millions who go to the white gate, and they are lost. Few choose the narrow gate. And as you sit and listen to this message today, and as I bring this to a close, there are millions and millions, in fact, there are billions of people in this world who miss the Lord Jesus. But every so often, there's someone who is convicted by the Holy Spirit, they're listening to the message, and they realise, this message is for me. And in that situation, when they start to search and listen to what God is saying and believe what God is saying and put their trust in Him, they choose that narrow gate and they go and they are one for Christ and their life is dramatically changed. Peter trusted God and look what happened to him. 
God used him miraculously and all through his life he was used of God. And whatever you are today, whatever your circumstance, whatever you're going through, um, oh that you would see Jesus for who he is. The eternal son of the eternal God. But at the same time the one who died on the cross and gave his life for you. And our prayer, the prayer of the folks I know here, are that folk realise that and put their trust in him. And our desire, our, our yearning is that you would do that today. Look into this person called Jesus. Listen to the, what he's saying to you. And give him your life and go on a life for him. Let's close in prayer. Father, we give thanks for the Lord Jesus. We give thanks for his amazing love for us. We give thanks for this message that we have. And Father, we just ask that each one of us in this room would be trusting in you, realising that there's nothing else, and that you love us all the way to Calvary, and that the Lord Jesus went there for us. And so, Father, for this time, we do give thanks. We can come and hear your very words spoken to us. We ask again that you would just touch our lives and bring us to that realisation of who your Son is. I know that men would put their trust in him and go on and live for him. All this time we do give thanks and we say just precious name. Amen.